Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Andrew David James, only on LA Talk Radio. That's right. 2016. That's right. You've done better than me. You can remember the date. Yes. <laughs> that's a, yes. That's a bar well, I don't a, always a get to. a long day last night. <laughs> yeah. I long think, day last night. Right. <laughs> that's, it's been a hard day's night. That's yeah, absolutely yeah. right. You were working until very late. It's been that way all summer. You it's do so crazy. many different things. What yeah. was the job? This was a fight job down in Santa Barbara, uh, up in Santa Barbara, and I was coming from Orange County. So I had a two-hour drive Holy both God. ways. Yeah. It was really wild. Pretty wild. So just because of the distance or not because of traffic? Right? No, I ex- there was some of both, but it's more just distance at that point. Yeah. Uh, I feel like each time I'm stretching out my uh, my gas bill each month, desperately trying to get to some of these jobs, they seem to get further and further out so people can find space to shoot. So. You should tack on a little you know, expense for that. I say that, you know, I ask them for that and they say, well, then we're not going to hire you. So that's, that's what the, they say. Yeah, that's the one detail. You know, well, I can just build it into your your. Yeah, I mean, we've cost, tried. It's a competitive what are we industry, business, right? <laughs> <laughs> what I need, Michael, is for you well, to come rep me and negotiate these contracts. Right. <laughs> I really should, though. I mean, I, I LA. I'm I'm a kid from here. I've right. seen everything happen in this city, and it's never been as bad as it is now for you know traveling on the freeways. Yep. You. You can't even find a time when it's decent. That's exactly right. Rush hour has gone to 24 hours a yeah, day. It it's insane. <laughs> terrible thing. Before we get into the show, why don't we thank our sponsors? Yeah. A good idea. A good so idea. We'd like to thank, ladies and gentlemen, our sponsor, Breakdown Services, the entertainment industry standard used around the world, providing the most professional means to reach talent agents as well as actors when casting a project. To learn more about Breakdown Services, visit BreakdownExpress.com. We'd also like to acknowledge PerformingArtsLive.com, one of the Internet's most prominent listing sources for the live arts in Southern California. We're grateful to Performing Arts Live for lending their support to State of the Arts. We are indeed, and Mike Napoli and his crew down there are the best. And, you know, before we talk uh, to our guest, Andrew, I do want to uh, continue our conversation just a little bit. How, how was your week other, other than that? Busy. You and I had a chance to hang we out did. a little bit, which was a good thing. So that always makes the week a little bit better. We got to attend an event that not only had a good cause, but some great, great performances. Absolutely. Uh, our friend uh, John Lloyd Young, who won the Tony Award for creating uh, Frankie Valley in the Broadway show Jersey Boys, was headlining the, the uh, Benefit Starry Night for the ALS Foundation, which is an amazing organization, mm-hmm. the Golden West chapter here in Southern California. And a very special uh, couple of guest stars joined that company, right? Right. One of whom you got to have lunch with, and I was I jealous. Did. I actually asked my wife, and she said Haley Mills was the one woman it was okay for me to leave her for. So <laughs> I don't know if that's going to help me at all. What a great... She was so fantastic when she performed with the great Richard Sherman. Yes. They had such a rapport, and she was just cute as she's ever been. My Richard goodness. Sherman, of course, being the Oscar-winning songwriter who composed Mary Poppins, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, mm-hmm. Haley Mills' Parent Trap... And over and here with the Andrews. Yes, sisters, exactly. Right. In, yep. in New York. Oh, fantastic. Which you have some familiarity so, with, right? <laughs> and uh, the, it, Haley and Richard sang, Let's Get Together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played and sang. He did not play. He, he did sang not play, yeah. with her. And it was in a very special moment. And it wasn't something that was orchestrated. And it wasn't, mm. a, they did it a cappella. They, they, yeah, it was <laughs> amazing. And then, as Andrews said, I did have the. Um, the honor of, of having lunch with her the next day at oh, Disney at the studio and uh, Mr. Sherman as well and mm-hmm. his lovely wife and we toured the 
the actual office of Walt Disney, which has been completely restored. Oh, I saw them playing in the studio because Bruce Kimmel's a friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce put that Bruce online put on yes. of them playing and in the they, studio. And they yeah. did that impromptu, yeah. impromptu little uh, performance uh, when we were touring the, the, the uh, office. But it was surreal being in that office yeah. you know, mm-hmm. because it was taken out after he passed. It was taken away, and it was put in, in archives, and uh, they decided to bring it back and put it right back where it was originally located in that building, and I mean down to the paper clips in the drawers. Everything had been photographed yeah. and archived. Wow. There were two huge rooms which they showed us, which had all the archival uh, information in it. Wow. Yeah, and mm. you could just kind of feel that. Yeah. You know, yeah. to think that the. It's like the source of all that. Right. The source That's of right. all well, Disney. The suite of yep. three rooms, uh, one for his uh, secretary outside of the uh, the work room, mm-hmm. the, his, his desk, uh, and uh, then another room where it was the work room for he and whoever was working on ideas mm-hmm. or, or the films at the time. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time Haley Mills had been in that office since she was a child. Wow. Oh. So it was very special. Yeah. You should have seen her face. Very I'll emotional bet. for her. Well, there's a great film out that was just released on Netflix recently called Walt Before Mickey. Uh, and it talks about Walt Disney growing up and what his life was like uh, and kind of how he got to the mammoth you know, icon of creativity that he turned out to be. And it's a fantastic portrait of just a guy who wanted to do something and what he created out of this just this desire to do something fun for people it's a really amazing portrait yeah well and i must say that uh, uh to have her involved and mr sherman involved in this benefit the als yeah. benefit is very special i don't know how many of you out there listening to us know what als is but it's often referred to as lou gehrig's disease mm-hmm. and uh basically it it starts robbing your body of every single thing that it's capable of doing it works itself up from the bottom to the top yeah and uh boy oh boy what a shocking thing so many brave people um, that endure this it is incurable at the moment but they they feel very hopeful on on finding a cure for this and the key of course Mm. to curing it is money it's i mean we can do these amazing films and we can do these amazing we build skyscrapers that touch the air but you know we need to start putting money into solving some of these diseases so people can live a better quality uh, of life film that uh, we we talked about just a minute Mm -hmm. ago gleason I want to see that. I heard it's great. That's yeah. about the football player from New Orleans. Yeah, it yes, is, indeed. exactly. We met the director, Clay Twill, mm-hmm. uh, who's very well-spoken, and hopefully we'll get him on the show at some point. He but this is a really, their, uh, their big award this yeah. year for that movie. And it's amazing. When you, when you see it in, with an athlete, somebody who has so finely tuned their body, and then you see ALS rob them of that, you realize that it's, it's zapping a treasure. You know? And I think with mm-hmm. Lou Gehrig, that's certainly evident, but obviously with, with Mr. Gleason as well. I mean, mm-hmm. something that took away everything that it was his livelihood, everything he did, that's a it's a terrible thing and the film is amazingly well put together I do so. want to see it I heard it was great I, yeah. think, uh, I think the director said it was still out in Arclight. it is I believe at the Arclight and I believe if you google Gleason uh, ALS film it'll pop up and you'll find four or five art houses that still have it get out there and see it it's a great little piece yeah, yeah. indeed and support ALS of course you never know could happen to anybody. You know, I was I was sitting there, and of course we saw some amazing world class performers at this event. But you can do that in your own neighborhood. If you're in the middle of Kansas or in the middle of Kentucky somewhere, or perhaps a state that doesn't start with K, that's okay too. You can get out there and you can open up, and you can you can do a, a theater production, or you can do something where you can get artists in your town and have people come see it and pay a nominal fee, and then send that money into ALS. You get to do your art, and you get to do some good because this a is a disease idea. that is curable. Yeah, it is a good yeah. idea. 
Thank you. I uh, copyright Andrew David James. Two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> first check goes to Maybe you. Maybe more people will do that than the I spec a challenge. Right? Although those were so There's, big, we were talking oh, about. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. I heard there was a lot of controversy over that at the beginning, yes. but they said that it did so much good that ALS really did get a lot of money of that, and that was from the people at ALS. So I guess that is a good thing. If nothing else, it really brought it forward. We're talking about it today. You're right. Very yeah. true, Christopher. Very That's true. That's important. You know, we should talk about these two amazing voices that people have been hearing. <laughs> we have two amazing performers here. Let's bring them into the show. All right. And uh, how do you want to do that? Here? Well, first of all, we have Rick Podell here, who we'll introduce a little later on. But the show we're oh. talking about today, Michael, is a great show called Drama Queens from Hell. Of course, aptly named after my dating life in college, correct? <laughs> is that true? Could be. I could be wrong. Yep. <laughs> and then we have another beautiful lady sitting next to Rick. Would you like to introduce her and give her the formal introduction she so well, rightly deserves? Well, I see Named for the patron saint of travelers, our first guest started her professional career in Tokyo, Japan at the age of 16. Her artistic journey quickly brought her to Broadway and continued on with roles such as Martha in 1776, one of my favorite shows, uh, Maggie in Over Here, Margot in The Desert Song, and Hodel, Hodel, excuse me, in the revival of Fiddler on the Roof. The legendary Stephen Sondheim cast her to star in his West Coast production of Side by Side by Sondheim. She has appeared opposite Rob Lowe, Bruce Willis, Ed Asner, Johnny Depp, Benico Del Toro, Molly Parker, John Travolta, Victor Garba, Treat Williams, and Zero Mostow. Never heard of him. <laughs> Film and television audiences know her from The Young and the Restless, where she played Ellie, The Bronx Zoo, and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, to name only a few. Along the road, she has received numerous performance awards and nominations, including Ovation, an, an Ovation Award, which is the Los Angeles Stage Alliance Award here, Backstage West Garland Award, and Stage Scene Honors, but most prized by her are the L.A. Weekly's Humanitarian Theater Award and the GLAAD Award for producing and co-hosting AIDS U.S. I'm sorry, is it uh, U.S. It's, uh, US? Yeah, co-creating. Uh, it's AIDS Us Portraits and Personal Courage. There you go. AIDS Us per Personal, uh, excuse me, AIDS Us Portraits and Personal Courage. <laughs> Say that ten times in a row. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Great title. <laughs> her travels bring her in studio with us today on State of the Arts. Please welcome Christopher Callan. By this. No. Just a few uh, of those fans we've talked about who follow you around, I guess, yeah? <laughs> I have a question. Well, I don't think I've ever had such a beautiful uh, introduction on radio in my life, so thank you so very Are much. You tired from all those jobs you've had? My goodness, you've worked constantly. It's more, amazing. More, more. Right? You know, I really want to be the, you know, the next Betty White. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> yeah. I just, I feel that... Uh, that she she is my idol. Just keep on going, keep on plugging, keep on working. I love that. She's got such a spirit about her. Even when she was working with her husband on the game show Password, I think it was. Mm -hmm. or I remember being a kid watching those in reruns and just thinking she had such a light, such a spirit. Exactly. That's continued all of her life. You have that very same light. There's oh, no doubt about it. That's very sweet of you. That's very important true. to me. Yes, we love Betty. Yes, yeah, she's so. on that uh, game show right now that uh, they have oh, resurrected yes. uh, to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. That's right. Have you seen that, Rick? No, I haven't. I was watch I was watching Pyramid the other day. They got a bunch of them going on. They yeah. yeah. What's what's good? they're trying to take it uh, back? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think also for the networks, it's kind of a, a inexpensive way to hold your audience with a sentimental value. And as the audience gets older, watching television, that forty to sixty group, right. they remember those shows, right. and they're you know they're still fun. 
you yeah. know, and you can see how smart you are by playing along. So it's. I think they're know. just summer shows. I think, but I think it's a good idea. Yeah, you is. know, yeah, anything that gets there, especially with the internet and Netflix, yep. anything that can bring your audience back to the network, I think is very important for studios and networks and all that stuff. Well, and of course, in reruns, they play on the Game Show Network. The Game Show Network buys up a lot mm-hmm. of those, and a good friend of the show, Ed Hall, uh, has done a lot of the voiceover and announcing for those shows. Oh, so. that's right. Absolutely. I got a ten dollar check from Hollywood Squares when I did it. So <laughs> right, still, still going. <laughs> what square were you in? I was on the top square uh, to the right, right next to Paul Lynn. Oh, wow. the perfect. Oh, the, wow. the guest square. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a fun show. That was. A, but you do five in one day. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. so you do the whole wow. week. So you did five in a day, and then yeah. if you're there, you do 10 or 15 or 20 of them, spread it over a period of a month and, you know, four or five days. But you're going nuts by about the yeah. fourth show. That's a lot of tic-tac-toe. Get me out of the square. <laughs> But fun. Uh-huh. That was a fun show. Yeah. yeah. I think it kind of lost its kind of, you know, uh, sparkle in in the last kind of season of it. Yeah. I think they were just trying too hard, you know. Yeah, and it's every every show runs its course, yeah. you know. I yeah. think it just it just ended, you know. It people and especially with the uh, coming in of E.T. and Entertainment Tonight, mm-hmm. that was really at that point the only place people could see like celebrities do that kind of a thing. And yeah. now that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. E Network and all those things, people are so close to everyone's life that way. They get as much frank dialogue as they want. And that show was meant to be like watching uh, celebrities kind of off camera playing a game. Right. I'll tell you something that I saw last night, and I'm just inserting this, and then we're going to talk to Chris, but um, it's a very unusual series on E. A young man, 20 years old, and I'm sorry, his name escapes me as I say this. He is apparently the go-to Hollywood medium hmm. and hmm. at 20 years old. Wow. It's very well constructed, this series, wow. and he, his mother drives him to all of his appointments. Wow. <laughs> this kid is charming. He's got, he looks like a grown-up... Um, uh, Barrett? Uh, pardon? Grown-up well, Barrett? Oh, no, no. Oh. I said grown up. Oh, I thought you said grown up parent. I thought that'd be interesting. Yes, it would be at 20 years old. Uh, no, Macaulay Culkin. Oh, interesting. Like a, like a, a put-together uh, yeah. Macaulay Culkin. Well, how do you know it's not just him playing a role now? I haven't heard oh, from not. him for a no, while. He's, so. he's very charming. He, cool. You can see it all happening in his head, and, and mm. he is constantly writing what he's hearing. Wow. It's very interesting. Mm. And... With the exception of Chris Jenner, who I just don't like to see on TV anywhere, um, I'm sorry to say that, Chris, but uh, <laughs> it's true. I uh, she was one of the uh, candidates, uh, and the other two were um, celebrities of, of some note, uh, not household names, but they, man, he nailed it with it. Wow. all of them, and wow. they, and he never knows who he's going to see. That's part of the uh-huh. conditions Wild. of Check his. What yeah. network is it on? It was on, it's on E E Wow Entertainment. Check it out. Yes, some people have that gift, I yeah. believe. They do. I say that about Chris Kardashian because her daughter was sitting in the other room, and of course, everything started to explode between the two of them. And, you know, it's like, what in the world are you doing? How much of it can we tolerate? We can't even, it's this boy's show, not your show. Right. You know, it's not. <laughs> Anyhow, back to somebody. Got to get a sound cue for a Michael rant. <laughs> I want a sound cue for time in the entertainment yeah. business. Talk about somebody and that's what our show is about, actually. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Chris, it's very tell us topical. what you, role you play in this show, <laughs> this wicked show. So I'm one of the three drama queens from hell. No, I don't believe it. Premise. Tell us a little bit about the premise. It's a. It's about a remake of Sunset Boulevard. That's right. 
And that starts all the commotion. (laughs) And once the word gets out on the street that they're going to be recasting the part of Gloria Swanson, Mm -hmm. and uh, then it becomes the the race on is for Norma. (laughs) And so there are three of us. Uh, I represent, I should say, probably the mature probably washed up actress <laughs> who sees it as her last shot and uh, I'm going for it and there is an African American actress who is now going to be vying for it given nice. our political situation nice. she gets a chance and there is a transgender actress so we're all the main ones that they focus in <laughs> on and who represents us all Artie Paramecium, our fantastic agent, is played by Rick. No, not Rick. Playing against type, obviously. Yeah, right. (laughs) Playing into type. (laughs) This sounds like it. When I was reading up on online, I immediately went back to No Exit, which uh, which is of course that that has that famous line that says, "Hell is other people." And there's, I think there's a bit of that in every audition room I walk into. Of who am I going to see today? What conversations am I going to have? Going to throw me off to what I have to go do here in a minute. What a fascinating concept for and, a show. And that goes on yeah. you know, very subtly sometimes and very overtly sometimes. Are you saying in, in the show or in, or in the life? show? And in, and life, in life. life. Yeah. And uh, that's the beauty of it, I think. Don't you agree that Peter, who knows this business so well, Peter Lefcourt, the, the writer, he has nailed it in such a hysterical way, but the reasons it's so hysterical is because it's so true. <laughs> Absolutely. Underlyingly. <laughs> yeah, I think the. The director's concept was wild ambition mm-hmm. for the play. Yeah. And and I think when you see these three people fighting for this part, it's their whole lives are wrapped up in doing this. And so the competition uh, rises, but it also rises with the political correctness that goes on in this country and who's allowed to read for what and why should anyone be excluded from anything. Right. So I think that's what gives it, you know, a lot of any good satire has some underpinning of a political nature which this play has, or has something to say about the situation we face today. Hmm. And it's funny. It's really a funny. I mean, one of the, it's one of the funniest scripts I've ever read. Yeah. Really funny. <laughs> now, you yeah. represent, uh, you uh, mentioned the, uh, another woman. Who, who is that that plays the other role? The other uh, that female is, role? Uh, that's D. And then that, uh, Chad Borden that, plays the uh, other? Uh, D plays yeah. the African-American uh, woman in it, D Freeman. And then we have, uh, we have, um, uh, Chad Borden. Chad, Chad Borden, Borden, Borden is playing the transgender actress vying for the part. And Andrew Diego is also in the show. Is that correct? Yes, he Wonderful. is. Wonderful. That's great. And he gets to play a lot of different roles. And that's the other part that's so much fun. It's really imaginative. And the other part I should say that I think is really ambitious and fantastic is that they have garnered clips from the actual movie. And oh, it's wow. interactive with us. Wow. It's oh, just so ambitious cool. and fabulous. And music. Rick gets to sing in it. I get to sing in it a little bit, but it's not really a musical. But right. they've interwoven music throughout. Right. I I think uh, you know Rick said there's really nothing like it. I've never seen anything like it before or since. It's yeah. very, I think it's very... a real audience show too. That's you know it's a it's a the audience leaves feeling really good about all the people in it. It's an ensemble piece, and you really like all the characters in it. But it's I feel for an audience, it's a release away from the bombardment 
of all this, you know, what's right and what's wrong and what's acceptable right. and what isn't. You can just forget about it for an hour and a half and just have a good laugh. You don't have to, like, <laughs> be mired in a dinner conversation about Black Lives Matter, you know, and have to take a side. You can yeah. just enjoy it, you know. Yeah. That's, well, I'm, I'm so that we're there. We're there on opening night. <laughs> oh, 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 you'll Absolutely. love it. You'll have a great time. You'll have a, we'll, we'll know your laugh now. <laughs> now, is this, a, is this a, a two-hour show? Is it a one-act show? How long does it run? Intermission. It has an intermission. Okay. We have a 15-minute intermission. I think hour it runs an hour and something. And mm-hmm. from everything I read, this sounds like a non-stop laugh riot, right? Like, if you're looking to get out of the house and go somewhere where you can just laugh and have a good time, this is the show for you, right? It is okay. non-stop laugh. It is <laughs> right. non-stop, for sure. Because right beginning to end. Totally. Yeah, it is yeah. so many words, and it's, it's a real uh, farce in its shape. Yeah. And you just, you know, you kind of go, and there you go. And then it's one scene, and that's uh, a challenge, you know, for us actors. But it's really a wonderful, fun challenge. And all the actors are terrific. I mean, it, yeah. the the cast is amazing. Really talented actors, you know. And that's that's at least I love working with Christopher. But it's the fun of working with other really talented actors. That's what draws you to any piece, you know. Yeah. And yes. rehearsals have been fun because people come up with a lot of different things. And Terry Hanauer, great director, <clears throat> allows us all to experiment. You know, with your character, which has really been cool. That's yeah, been the best Terry part. Terry has been phenomenal. So he's really, very open-minded yeah. from the from the get-go. I mean, ask you to bring to the table what you want to bring. Does he absolutely. ever say? Absolutely, yeah, she's. I don't uh, think so. She's great. No, absolutely, no. she's great about that. And if something is too much, uh, she'll help you find an alternative. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But she will never be negative about anything you do. Unlike a lot of directors, that's she a, will always be positive and say, "Hey, that's good, but try this." Or, "I love what you're doing with that. Go for this." Yeah, you know, and those kind of directors you really want to work for when your wings get clipped and you get leery it's like an athlete in basketball who misses a shot and the coach pulls him out you don't worry about that you feel free to explore at least that's been my experience with this and that's very freeing for an actor it's very freeing you know and it's a true ensemble piece as well and i love that it yeah, really, all six people have a lot to do. Everybody has their moment. Everybody, you're rooting for every single one. And it is a, a true group process. Cool. And, and we all get along so well. So Not far. We, <laughs> <laughs> we do. What's the reviews come out? Who knows? <laughs> of course, uh, it would be a great group of actors because Michael Donovan cast. Of course. Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. Michael's great. Our dear Michael's friend. Michael's great. Yes. Oh, he He's terrific. Michael. You know, Michael. really good. And really you've good. got Raquel Lerman, who who is a wonderful producer. Theater yes. planners, yeah, you've got Theater the right planners. group. All the all this all the technical stuff is like you know you would see it at the tape or anywhere else. It's yeah. all top notch. You know, I want to give a shout out to Mylet, Mylet Nora <laughs> as well because she is our costume designer, and that's another thing that'll be fun for the audience because we have costume after costume after costume <laughs> and really fun costume. She's one oh, of great. those designers. She goes to like to the you know the littlest little pearl the littlest watch she's got the details down so and quick changes you'll see people oh. come back a minute later in a totally different uh-huh. costume and you wonder how the heck did that happen yeah. ladies and gentlemen we wonder we are, too sometimes yeah. <laughs> we are of course talking about drama queens from hell now on stage at the odyssey theater and we're talking to two of the stars here today christopher in reading over your bio and kind of looking at some of your online resources you have traveled so much starting in japan when you were 16 years old tell me how you ended up here in los angeles in this show is that a is that a story you feel well, free to share that's a wonderful question. I always say Christopher is the perfect name. I was named for the patron saint of travelers because my parents were traveling when my mom was pregnant with me. Wow. And then when I was 16, the family moved to Japan, and that changed my life because I became a singer there. 
and I would go to high school at the American school and then I would at night I would be singing with the Japanese bands and I learned to sing in <laughs> Japanese and then I finally learned the, 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 the language a bit but that was it and then I came back went to drama school in San Francisco and then right away went to New York and had great success very very lucky success because within eight weeks I was on Broadway wow wow yeah, I mean, an unheard of story, really, yeah. and I realized that. So, out, actually, I have traveled to 41 countries, I don't, and that is also mostly because I was on a world tour of 42nd Street that was put on the Norwegian Cruise Line. Wow. And we were in uh, Europe for three <laughs> months, and then this happened around 9-11, and oh. my agent said, look, you got a good job, we don't know what's going on here, just stay out there yeah. on the... And I went, okay. And I was dating somebody on the ship, so that was fine. Like and the then uh, oh. <laughs> it was the captain, actually. Oh. <laughs> oh. I got the secret out. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, then they were going to go down to uh, South America. Oh. And I'd never been to South America. And we were in Chile and Argentina oh. and Uruguay. Then I was like, okay, that's it. They said, well, you know, we're going to the Baltic, we're going to Russia, we're going to Iceland, we're going... I was like... And when I was a little girl, I would get up when I was like 14 years old and study Russian on television because I was drawn to knowing that. And I was like, I'm going, I'm going to Russia. So really, it's through this amazing life that we have as an actor in the entertainment business that travel is part of that, and I somehow knew that. And yeah. <laughs> I've taken advantage of it. That's so, great. Yeah. What a story. Right? Huh? Amazing. Yeah. 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 And, and it's funny because coming full circle, when I was uh, decided to be an actor, Shrine Auditorium, 11 years old, looked down, there was My Fair Lady touring, and I, the curtain went up, and I'd never been to a show before, and I went, they get to sing and act and travel. Yeah. I can do that. So travel is part of me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Have you done it, though? I mean, would you continue to travel like that? That's that's hard. Oh, I, I'll be traveling till the day I oh, really? croak. Okay. I'm talking I, to I, Betty I, White oh, yeah. here. Come on. <laughs> although although I, I, I have settled down in, in L.A. for quite a few years now, and... Uh, I'm enjoying not not that. But every once in a while I get itchy feet like a true gypsy yeah. and then I go away. But it's nice to have a place to come home to. Sure. And then I appreciate yeah. that. It's yeah. great. So wow. And you well, do a lot of traveling too. Do I do. I, I travel quite a bit. Some of it willingly, some of it not so much. Yeah. So but yeah, we hit between now with work and with leisure, we hit between fifteen and twenty states a year. Um, all throughout the United States. Although internationally, we've cut our travels so much with two kids. Uh, I think that changes things quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I love to travel as well. And I, I love that story that you were named Christopher after the saint. And mom and dad were like, nope, that's her name. That's what her name is going to be. That's a really cool I know. story. They had no idea how unusual that was. <laughs> Do people call you Chris or Christopher or Chrissy? I, um, I, I don't particularly care for Chris or Chrissy. Or I like Christopher, but when I was younger, I was very embarrassed by my name, and I tried to pass uh, like I had an ordinary name. But then I, I got. I thank God I grew out of that. I love it. Well, it was very easy to find you when you put an actress after Christopher. So it was very, it was very interesting to <laughs> well, find you on the go. Thing, I guess. That's 
what you want is a name that's memorable and nobody will ever forget that. I liked that very much, Christopher. It was beautiful. They did a good thing for me. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us here today. Will you hang around and talk while we talk to Rick a little bit more too? Absolutely. Good. I'd love that. We're going to take a couple minutes here and we're going to do a live arts calendar, but we definitely want to come back and talk a little more about that. Just real quick, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Drama Queens <clears throat> from Hell, which is now on stage at the Odyssey Theater. Uh, performances are August 20th through September 25th, and you can easily get tickets by visiting plays 411.com backslash drama queens or you can call 323-960-7787 that's 323-960-7787 and the odyssey theater is one of the great theaters in los angeles absolutely and very distinguished and uh, our live arts calendar as you said uh, will kick off here with uh, shakespeare by the sea one of southern california's premier shakespeare companies is bringing othello to a location near you. Directed by Stephanie Coltrane, Othello is an emotionally gripping thriller where gossip turns friendships rancid and rumor brutally murders innocence. Othello is unflinching in its power as it is in its heartbreak. Now on tour across the Southland, Shakespeare by the Sea offers free admission to all shows and locations, and there are locations throughout Los Angeles County and Orange County. To find out more about Othello and Shakespeare by the Sea, visit their website, www.shakespearebythesea.org, or call 310-217-7596. And ladies and gentlemen, there is a performance tomorrow night of Othello at Point Furman down in San Pedro, so get out and see that uh, as they come to the end of their very successful summer tour. Nice. Yeah, lots of good people involved in that production, some friends of the show there too, so. Well, now we're going to give this young man here... Sitting to my left. Do, do you think due? he deserves it? I think so. <laughs> do we treat comedians like normal people here on the show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. I'll make an exception here. I had a pleasure of talking to this gentleman a little bit before the show. Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is an original member of the Broadway cast of Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical Sunset Boulevard, opposite the amazing Glenn Close. In addition, he has starred in such Broadway musicals as Two by Two, Evita, Company, Good News, Sugar, 1776, and was the original narrator in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And then they changed it to a girl. I was so good. (laughs) No one can ever follow that. (laughs) He has starred in over 75 episodic television shows, including a year-long run on Days of Our Lives, and he has co-starred in movies opposite such stars as Ann Archer, Melanie Griffith, and he is also a stand-up comedian. He has played Las Vegas and around the world, opening for stars including Cher, Tina Turner, Jerry Lee Lewis, Mac Davis, the Mills Brothers, and George Benson. He was the first American comedian ever to perform in South Africa. As a writer, he wrote uh, The Golden Era during his time at MTM, which is the Mary Tyler Moore Studios. Is that correct? Yes. And, the sh- and of course, he wrote for her show as well as others. His screenwriting break came when he wrote the script for Nothing in Common, starring the great Tom Hanks and the legend Jackie Gleason. He joins us in studio today. Please welcome... Rick Podell. It's like a home movie of my career when you read that stuff. You just see it all go by like a train. You, go, wow. you look How back and happen? say, that was a lot. Wow, all those shows? Holy cow, where's the money? Really? Let's talk about Joseph, though. Tell us how that happened. Um, it was very strange. I was in New I York. I a relationship with that show, too. So I was in New York, things. and um, my agent at the time called me and said, hey, they're looking for someone to play the narrator. Go down to a studio on 8th Avenue. Maybe it was the Leroy Studio or something. I don't remember on 8th Avenue. And 
uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber was there with uh, Tim Rice and uh, all his production, Robert Stigwood, all these mm-hmm. people. And uh, they asked me to sing. And I sang, it was red and green and yellow and blue and orange and chartreuse and, you know. <laughs> and I sang the song. And then about a week later, they called and said, hey, we want you to do this part. Now, I didn't know it was originally a children's show. Did you know that? Yes. It was like 25-minute yes. children's show, and they expanded it. Right. And so they hired me, and that was the beginning of my relationship with Andrew Lloyd Webber, actually. So now, did you do it in when it was at the Ford's Theater, when it started there? Yeah, so you did it with that run. Way, and then we went to the Philadelphia Playhouse in the Park, right. and uh, I then went actually back to London and did it also. Uh-huh. So uh, it was wonderful experience, and it was a ground floor with all those guys. And I didn't know any of them at the time. I thought, who are these guys? Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice, and, <laughs> and I was, don't know who these guys are. Was Bill Hutton uh, in the role? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, Billy's Bill was a great. Of mine, and and the reason I have a connection with this show is that my one of my clients, uh, the basis of my business is, is publicity, public relations, entertainment, mm. uh, was Andy Gibb. And Andy was the first celebrity to go into that role on Broadway. Yeah. And replace Bill Hutton. Mm. And that's where I first met Bill. And we actually, we, we'd met here before. But um, what a great guy he is. And he still is. He yeah. still sings beautifully. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that voice, you just know it in two notes. One note. You, <laughs> and he you had know the best him. hair in the business. Absolutely. <laughs> Golden. Totally. Golden. Right? Yes, it was. He looked like he was right out of the Bible. Uh, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. Andy was also blonde, and he had to have that same color of hair. Wow, he was so wild. About it, so. <laughs> At any rate, uh, it was an experience. Uh, that's the only time that I have. I shall say, quote unquote, lived in New York was going through the uh, the four months uh, that we did that show in wow. New York. But what a great uh, show it was! Uh, actually, I'm getting ready to do it here. Oh, uh, handling up for 3D theatricals, if you know who that is. Sure, of course. Yes. Down in Orange County, they yeah. do such brilliant work, and we're yeah. opening their new 2016 17 season with that show. Mr. Dawson, yeah? Yes, Mr. Dawson, TJ Dawson. And it's a wonderful show. Yeah, it is. You just can't help but love that show. Right. right. It's the energy and the spirit. So, mm-hmm. but I, again, I was saying to Rick before the, uh, the program, ladies and gentlemen, I've known this man for uh, a while. Or, or, we were acquainted, but uh, not in the capacity of you being a musical theater performer as your uh, stand-up uh-huh. comedy career. That's yep. where I knew you from. Yeah. It, uh, it's Listen, I'm probably one of the few people in the world, kind of, who've done both those two worlds, I think. <laughs> so well. Uh, uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's in a way, it's kind of a... It's not such a far stretch in one sense that stand-up comedy has a musical ring to the way you do jokes and how you perform and the rhythm of it, and music has that. And um, I was just very fortunate to do both. And um, in a business that is very fickle, it allows you to have a lot of different areas to go to. I always tell people I can be out of work in a lot of areas. Uh, <laughs> and that uh, <laughs> the musical part of it, you know, they've both taken over it at other times, you know, and now... The musical thing and the acting seems to be the purveyor of it. But I was talking earlier, you know, at that time I was doing comedy, it was Letterman and Billy Crystal and myself and Jay Leno and just David Letterman and Richard Lewis and all these people yeah, who would go from people. the comedy store to the improv and work every night. And 
funny thing is we were being paid a quarter and we had so much fun because you get up every night and do your half hour material and rewrite it it was a real community of mm-hmm. performers mm-hmm. even though Mitzi Shore and Bud Friedman were beating the crap out of each other <laughs> we would have the chance to get in work and do that you know and the thing I loved with of all those guys I knew nobody was taking material from anybody everybody had their own kind of lane and that's what was interesting. You know, every comedian that I knew that went through that area had their particular shtick they were doing. Right. Nothing really crossed over. David Letterman was nothing like me. Billy Crystal was nothing like Jay Leno. Jay was nothing like Pryor. I mean, it was... Um, I, I represented David Brenner, mm-hmm. uh, who talk about somebody that had his own lane. Yeah. He really did. Yeah. And, and he was a close friend of Michael Preminger, the guy yes. I wrote with. They worked a lot in New York together. But David... David Brenner, to me, was the most incredible guy at writing material. He was really a wordsmith. He was hmm. so uh, uh, so driven to write the material. He was very prolific, unbelievably prolific yes, as a was. comedian. And one of the best, because a lot of guys could write 20 minutes, but then they were dead. And he would just keep writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. It was always yeah. uh, a little odd to me that uh, there was a time when David... David was uh, the comedian that had appeared on Johnny Carson's show, the most of any comedian. Wow. Yeah. And so when Johnny had announced his uh, pending uh, retirement, uh, all heads turned to David as being the logical replacement. Wow. That was the, the mm. scuttlebutt. Yeah. And I think it became a little bit more serious than scuttlebutt. But as it turned out, it didn't happen. You know, mm. Joan Rivers took that spot. Yeah. Hmm. So, who Joan, you know, is a wonderful, uh, was a wonderful uh, comedian, and uh, you know, she had her her day doing that show. Mm-hmm. But uh, I always felt bad for David because he would have been great. Yeah, he yeah. would have, and I think he was, you know, kind of hurt. Mm-hmm. I think so too. But you know, people look. If you if you're in this business long enough, you realize that sometimes people make choices that don't make any sense. I'm sure we've all gone to movies and seen things or theater and go, how did that, how did that person get cast in that thing? That's crazy, you know? Well, speaking of castings, how did you start your career? I mean, seriously, what, what made you even want to do anything that you did? Well, I was a basketball player in high school mm-hmm. and college. That's what I did. And uh, I was at San Francisco State, and I kind of realized that... Um, I wasn't going to go anywhere with it. I was way too short and way too slow <laughs> and a little too Jewish. I said, this is, this is not going to happen. Uh, and uh, I was interested in this girl, uh, and she was in the theater arts Always department. About a girl, <laughs> yeah. So Oldest I followed her up there one day and decided to take an acting class because I went to the class that they were going to, you know, you, in that case you had to sign up for a class. And whatever. You didn't do it online or anything. And there was like 30 girls and one or two other guys. And I thought, these are pretty good odds. So I started to take some acting classes, and I got cast in a play, a German play called Cry in the Streets by Rolf Lochner, where I played a blind person. <laughs> wow. And the first time I ever did, I remember looking around going, hey, I, what do you mean, how did I play? I can see all this stuff. You're blind. You're blind, damn it. <laughs> so I started doing that, and then, uh, um, making a long story somewhat humorous, I ran into a, a voice teacher named Eugene Fulton. I was just scooting around. He said, hey, why don't you come and take some voice lessons? The, the theater department had a connection with the music department. And he said, hey, you, you can sing. So I started to take voice lessons, take acting. And then there was an open call my junior year for Dames at Sea. They were in San Francisco, Neil Kenyon. And uh, someone said, why don't you just go? I mean, I danced, too. I had done a lot of tap since I was a kid. Mm. Uh, my teacher was a guy named Louis Dupron, who was a student of Hermes Pan, who was the choreographer for Fred Astaire. Yeah. So I look at Fred Astaire movies and go, hey, I know that step. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and auditioned for Dames at Sea. I went into an open call. 
and for this part of Lucky, and I danced. Great role. Yeah. Yeah. And I sang. I've got half a mind. You're telling me. And uh, <laughs> I, I went and sang and danced, and someone called and said, hey, we want you to come to New York to do the show. So I left college. Which I don't think my father didn't talk to me for eight years after <laughs> that. And so I went to New York, and bang, like within... Like her story, I was at the Theater de Lise off Broadway with Bernadette Peters and all these people doing Dames at Sea. Wow. So you originated the role? No, I came in second. I replaced Joe Sakari, who played my part yeah. originally. Wow. Oh Joe God. left, and I came in, and there I was with Bernadette and you know Steve Elmore and all these people and doing the show. And I'd never been to New York. I knew nothing about it. And there I was. And that sort of started stuff. Mm-hmm. And I did that. Well, and, for everybody in that cast, especially her, too. And then another luck out, I got a call from this agent. Brook Hill Snow was his name in Los Angeles. He said, hey, I want you to go to the Richard Rogers Theater. They're casting a replacement for Walter Willison in the show Two by Two that Danny <laughs> Kaye was in. I said, okay. I learned the song from the show. I went and sang. And this is my greatest moment in show business. I still think till now. I sang this song. I do not know a day I did not love you. The song from the show. And Richards Rogers stood up and said, you're hired <laughs> in the theater. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And for me, it was like, still, I think about that all that time before, just the most incredible moment I've ever had in my career. I bet. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, Especially to replace somebody as great as Danny Kaye. And just, okay. And to have him in Okay, the you're, you're, that's it. So hired. that's really how things got started. And then, you know, things happened mm-hmm. from there. You know, I think that what, what he's talking about and the time, frame of all these things it, it's not like that anymore no it's, it's just, not it, no that's what made that time so mm-hmm. great and to, there to was be. always another show right. i always knew that when i went in and so there wasn't a pressure i felt more free huh. like okay yeah, oh, yeah. kind of like you talk about it. oh this okay kind of know about it not quite okay who are they oh okay kind of sort of yeah. okay good hi i'm me i'm yeah. here i this can do my what job I, do. Yeah. I sing my song i read and there are you just always knew when you didn't get it. I always wanted it. I always did everything I could to get it. But when you didn't get it, it wasn't. You didn't have to wait a year for another show to That's be developed well said, yeah. to be done. Yeah. And but now, especially economically today, the difference is now. In those days, people left shows because there were other shows to go to. Yep. Yeah. Now people stay in show. I have friends who've been in Phantom of the Year for twenty years. Phantom right. of the Opera for twenty wow. years. They just do not leave shows economically. So there aren't as many replacements. Right. There aren't as many new shows. If that era you're talking about, right. there may have been 15 or 20 musicals on Broadway at one time. Right. Yeah. And people leave, then hopscotch and went from yeah. one show to another. If you get in a show now, you do not leave. Right. Well, and we were talking to a difference. friend the other day, a, a casting director friend, who said, you know, there tends to be a desperation in every actor who walks through the door now because mm. they've paid so much money to drive to wherever the audition is. They've had to pay for parking. They're walking up there, and they feel like if they don't get this job, it's going to mean they can't pay rent. And you know, I think we've all been in that position one time or another, but to constantly feel that in a town, it really does, I think it lowers the level of performance you can give in an audition. You don't feel free to be your best. There's always something hanging over your head, and art is about free expression. So, yeah. Well, it's there's so much more on the line and it's not just in our field it's in everything Mm -hmm. it's in it's in restaurants it's in politics it look i mean when when you think about something like uh people going out on dates with people there was never match.com and tinder and eHarmony and all these things (laughs) and the 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 marketplace is flooded (laughs) and the pressure to find somebody yeah so it's and if you don't you're kind of you're a loser and you know it's the, the social media has done all that. I, I, mm. I tell you a quick story about what you're talking about. You know, my agent sent a, um, we talked about this. My agent sent a, a note to all the clients he has, a really good agent, uh, across the board talent. I'll give him a little shout out. 
And uh, they sent a thing said, you know, make sure you're up on social media hmm. because a lot of casting now is done through how many hits you have on Facebook and Snapchat That's and so Twitter. True. They look for that. Who represents you, Todd Eskin? Todd Eskin, yeah. yeah. I love him. And Guy. They're great agents. Yes, I love them. But it, it's sort of, and there's nothing wrong with what they're talking about. But I think about a time we're talking about when the most important thing was your ability. Yeah. And now it's, it seems like in another era, uh, you do something and you get a career. And now it's you have to uh, get a career by doing something social media-wise. It's not by your performing. It's by mm. some other way you get in the door. And people go, oh, I, I saw them on Snapchat or Facebook. Let's cast them. Well, that's true. And, it's di- and it makes it difficult for Christopher and people like me, I think someone who have really honed their craft over a period of time and really know what they're doing. And mm-hmm. well, there's I'll... A, I'll I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, but I'm no, go ahead, please. Quickly, there's a whole different set of people that are running the business now, no, too. Of that, course, that yes. are of that mind. But no and one's a better professional than she is. I'm well, certain. Thank of you. It. And I'm certain and of it. you know, I re- listen. I remember, but it still happened. Maybe 15 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, I was reading for a pilot that Joel Schumacher was doing called "Where's Cooking" at for Universal. <laughs> and three people they put in groups of three, as you know, to come in to read. Mm-hmm. My group was Cleavon Little, myself, and Gwen Verdon. Wow. Wow. And we didn't get it, any one of the three of us. <laughs> and the casting lady, who was, I think, uh, she needed an adult to help her get out of the room. Uh, this young girl, she was like 18, 15, this casting person. What a young kid. Really? She walks out and she goes, Is there a Miss Verdon here? And we all went, Wow. Yeah. I mean, we just wanted to wow. die. You know, so. Yeah. It's, it's like Doris Roberts. Yeah. Before she passed, she would talk about going into the, you know, <laughs> she somebody <was> so funny. <laughs> who has been in this business for a million years and everybody knows her and loves her. And yet she would still go in for a movie or something and they would, she she said, you know, the person on the other side of the desk was 18 years old yeah, and, right. and, and didn't know anything about her history at Show all. Show me your resume. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it, it was really difficult for her sometimes. It's a difficult, it's a difficult time, but that doesn't matter. We're still here. We're working. It doesn't. And I, I totally agree with you. I think that's the spirit that I have and I know you have. And I think that is the spirit to take because we want to be in the present moment. We don't want to be living in the past. If the way it was, the way it was. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. So <laughs> you, you just, you know, if you want to do this business or anything, you just have to say, okay, what is going on now? Okay, play the game. Let's have fun. Well, yeah. these issues are great to talk about, obviously, because they are important to our industry. But more than anything, they're also very relevant to this show, to Drama Absolutely. Hell. So, I mean, they what are. you're talking about here is that we live in a strange world and we work in a strange industry and if you want to get out there and see something about what we've been talking about here on the show the craziness that we all deal with as live performers get out there and see drama queens from hell it's at the odyssey theater and again you can visit plays 411 just type in keyword drama queens or you can call 323-960-7787 and you'll get to hear more about the ludicrous nature of what we do for a living and how wonderful it is to be a part of (laughs) now along those lines because we've come to that time the program where we have to baptize these people here. Do you know Ooh. about this? I do not. I didn't know about sounds, this. sounds interesting. How <laughs> does it sound? What is it? And now, embarrassing moments. You cannot escape it here on State of the Arts. We ask each performer to tell us something in their career that has happened that embarrassed them in front of a live audience or maybe on a television set that makes us all feel like we're part of this family of live performers that is so unique where anything can happen anytime, any place. Is there anything that jumps out to either one of you? Yep. Yep. Say, Rick, <laughs> Rick like jumped in ready to go. go. 
Uh, I and it's actually I think it's been on you know funny videos or something. I when I was doing comedy, you used to do all the talk shows. You do. I was on Dinah Shore a lot. Yeah, all these shows. Mike Douglas, Merv Griffin, Tonight Show, all these. Yeah. So I was on the Merv Griffin show, and this was I think my second or third appearance. Wow. And I come out and I'm talking, and people are laughing and laughing and laughing. And I didn't know that my fly was open. <laughs> and Merv Griffin came over and zipped my fly up. As only Merv would. As only Merv could do. And, you know, and that, and thank God there wasn't social media at that time because it, there would have been probably two million hits on it. And I was just mortified because I was just saying, hey, how you doing? And they're all laughing. I was like, what is so funny out here tonight? And Merv came over, Tan just put my zipper and went back and sat down on the couch. <laughs> And, and then I came to sit down on the couch and they compounded because Arthur Treacher didn't let me forget it for the entire rest of the show. <laughs> oh, my dear boy, do you realize your fly was open? <laughs> so that's that oh. has to be my all-time most embarrassing moment Seen in our business. millions of people. Oh, yeah. That's God. tough to beat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Think how many social media followers you would have, though, now if you did have social media then. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm happy I don't for that particular right. Everybody thing. looking for your fly else. to go down to Christopher. <laughs> you're on. Well, mine involves a, a wardrobe malfunction Uh-oh. as well. <laughs> But it was my very first show at San Francisco State where I went to college. (laughs) And it was Where's Charlie? And I was in the chorus, and I had this one moment where I'm supposed to come out and and sing. I say, and then, and singing, 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 singing. Well... They put on the change of clothes, and it was these hoop skirts, and they it was with one hook, the skirt part. And I come out, I'm supposed to run out and go, and then, so I run out, the skirt falls to the floor, I'm there in my underwear from the waist down, and I went, and then, and the most mortifying thing was, I went up. Oh, I had no, no. I was blank as could Your be. Your pants came down and, and you went up. It was like, you know, where the train goes through. And all the rest of everybody, the whole cast was on stage. Oh, that no. And the audience, and it was like, uh. And then somebody sang my part from the wing. <laughs> that was my introduction, you know, introduction oh to show business. God. Oh, so, my. Bo- both of our guests get points for nudity here today. I'll say that. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Those are great. Well, guys, this has been delightful. Thank you guys so much for joining us. What today. No, our pleasure. Guests today. And I always love having comedians and, and comedians on who can come in here. And we could do two hours with That's these right. two. So thank you guys very much. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to remind you here now to go see Drama Queens from Hell. If you like risque, raunchy comedy and fun, raucous entertainment, you're going to get out there and you're going to have a good time at this show that talks about some of the things that are going on when casting a new version of what show? Sunset, Sunset Boulevard. Boulevard. That's right. Everybody's going to walk in singing the songs now, I'm sure. So, we ladies might and add, they can go for a nominal $25. Absolutely. A really show. great ticket prices for this show. So Fridays and Sundays are $25. Saturdays are $30. Yep. Previews, correct, are only $15. So uh, if you're looking for a fun, raucous time, get out there and see this show. Again, you can call 323-960-7787 to get tickets or visit Plays 411. That's Plays 411.com backslash drama queens. We also want to invite you guys to think a little more about ALS and some of the great work yes. that's being done out there. Uh, we had a great time at this fundraiser, but more than anything, I think it reminded us of, of the real troubles in life and the things that are truly difficult that people have to deal with and who the real heroes are. People who fight through this disease have such a positive attitude, like so many people we saw on that stage that night. So. Indeed, indeed. And you simply go to uh, here in California to the Golden West chapter. Uh, dot org 
and you will have uh, all the information about ALS and how you can participate in their fundraising and some great events that are coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Andrew David James. I'm Michael Sterling. See you on the radio. You're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Andrew David James, only on LA Talk Radio.